Here we go. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. Welcome in. Happy Friday to all of you. My name is Farzi Nusugan, your host of the Chief Zone Podcast. Hope you are all having a good week, trying to stay warm. And uh, for those of you in Kansas City, boy, uh, what do you even say about this weather? I mean, it's 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 great to start the morning, and then it gets windy, and and, and there's this. Arctic freeze on the way. Uh, it is uh, going to be snowing throughout the day in KC. Supposedly four inches of snow in a matter of just a couple of hours, uh, middle of the middle of the day Friday. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, so hopefully you are all safe uh, if you are on the road, as well as those uh, outside of the Kansas City area that are dealing with the crazy winter weather as the season goes along. But the offseason continues for the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot to get into here on this episode. I appreciate all of you guys taking the time to download and listen. We've got an exciting show for you guys. I'm going to talk a little bit about the AAF debut. Their ratings were very good. I'll tell you what they were later on and can they continue that? Lots of NFL news this week. Some involving former Kansas City Chiefs Figures, one a coach, one a player, Kareem Hunt and Bob Sutton both find homes, new homes in the NFL. Kansas City's defensive coaching staff is coming together and it is very good. If you have not heard much about it or if you're not excited about this defensive coach, uh, this defensive staff, the coaching staff, uh, I'm going to get you fired up and excited about this because you should absolutely be excited for this defense in 2019 based on the coaching staff alone, but there is one person from the Chiefs coaching staff that did retire. I'll mention who that is and really his impact on the game of football in the NFL. Plus, we will preview free agency later on in the podcast and a lot to get into in the closing segments. As always, make sure you are subscribed to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And make sure you interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Vasugian. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzeen21. Last week, the last time we did an episode, I talked about the autograph giveaway that I would promise, depending how things go at the Facebook page. Uh, I mentioned, I even wrote a post about this, and you guys all unanimously agreed to this. And I, I saw a lot of you guys started sharing and inviting your friends, which is, which is great. So my promise to you, if you missed it, Five, if we get, because uh, the Facebook page has blown up over the past month and a half. We've had a lot of people give the Facebook page a like. A lot of new followers on Facebook and a lot of new listeners to the podcast, which again, I am happy about and definitely appreciate you guys spreading the word the way you've done. And of course, the team uh, doing very well, the Chiefs doing very well. That certainly helps as well. So very happy about that. But I did make a promise to you guys. If we can get the pot, the, the Facebook page to 5,000 likes. Now, there is a deadline. I'll get to that in a second. If we can get it to 5,000 likes, I'll give away one signed Mahomes item. If we get to 7,500, we'll give away two Mahomes items. And if we can get to 10,000, I'll give away three Mahomes signed items. Uh, Not exactly sure what exactly those items will be, but they will be... I mean, it'll it'll be worth... Wanting and it'll be signed by Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we'll find a way to get to get to make that happen. 
Uh, but that's up to you guys. If we can get to those numbers, and again, the deadline is by the time the Chiefs play their next regular season. So essentially, when the Chiefs season kicks off, could be the first NFL game of the season in Foxborough. Who knows? We'll learn about the schedule in late April, shortly before the draft. That is when the schedule is usually released. So just wanted to give you guys one last reminder about the autograph giveaway. Uh, 5,000 likes will give away at least one. Uh, only one, I take that back, only one, 7,500, two, and 10,000 will give away three. And you guys unanimously agreed with that on Facebook, so uh, you it's up to you guys to make that happen. I'd be more than happy to do those giveaways if we can make that happen. One other housekeeping note here for the Chiefs on Podcast, next Friday, the 22nd of February, will be the last episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. The following week, there will not be an episode. However, uh, uh, on March the 7th, that is a Thursday, uh, right after the deadline for teams to use the franchise tag, franchise tag, pardon me, the uh, uh, New League year will be upon us, so will free agency, and uh, that Thursday, March the 7th, we will have a podcast. So we're going to do one the following week, next uh, next week, excuse me, the 22nd, but the following week, uh, that is when I will shut down and, and uh, avoid the podcast for a week. Hopefully no breaking news happens because then I'll, I'll have to put together at least something to, to bet up. But man, I, I've got to be honest, uh, with everything going on in my personal life, and not that anything bad is going on, I mean, work's been very, it's been hectic in a great way. It's actually a good thing when it's hectic. Busy is always good. Uh, and as the podcast, as the numbers grew along the year, I definitely made this podcast more of a priority than I have before. So, uh, boy, I've got to admit that the past few months have definitely kicked my butt and I definitely need a week off. So hopefully you guys can enjoy that week off. Uh, I'm sure everyone can uh, survive uh, one week without the podcast. So the end of February slash early March, we will not have an episode, but we will be back on Thursday, March the 7th, but we'll have one more Next week on Friday the twenty second. So just a uh, just a note there. By the way, uh, I've been putting this together for a long time, and we're actually going to do it next week uh, on the ep- on the podcast. Uh, I, I've been putting the, together a, a kind of an interesting segment. We are going to do a mean tweets Chiefs Zone edition on this podcast next week. You guys have I, I, I've settled. You guys have done a great job with the social media pages, especially Facebook, but few of you guys have not had nice things to say, and I've been collecting those comments. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't ignore those comments. I, I see them, and we're going to have a mean tweets edition of uh, on the Chiefs Zone podcast, so be on the lookout for that on next week's episode. Now, as I said earlier, we've got a lot to get into, so... Let's get underway. Let's start with this Chiefs defensive coaching staff because, man, I've got to tell you, I'm very excited about this coaching staff. Now, last week we did recap the Brett Veach teleconference, and he said in that teleconference that Steve Spagnuolo, the new defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, has not met nor spoke to any of the players. And that is because he and Andy Reid are still putting together the defensive coaching staff, and, man, it has come together 
And it's looking very good. Let's go down the line here with the coaching staff for the Chiefs. Obviously, everyone knows about Steve Spagnuolo. We've talked about him quite a lot. So we're going to move on from him. But we're actually going to come back to Steve in a moment. But we'll recap all of these coaches in just a moment. But let me start off with the defensive line coach, the new defensive line coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's Brandon Daly. He was with the New England Patriots the past four years. As a defensive line coach and won three Super Bowl rings. Also coached defensive linemen with the Minnesota Vikings, the St. Louis Rams before they left for L.A. Also coached at Villanova in his second stint. He also coached tight ends in his career, uh, mostly in college. Did so at Villanova in his first stint. Also at Drake and Illinois State. Now, a lot of people are wondering, was he supposed to replace... Brian Flores, who no one on uh, here's something people need to be aware of. Nobody on the Patriots defensive staff had the title of defensive coordinator. But if there was anyone that was close to that title, it was Brian Flores. And I don't remember exactly what Flores's uh, position was with the Patriots. I think he was a linebackers coach or the secondaries coach. But he was the closest thing to a defensive coordinator on that Patriots coaching staff and that obviously landed him a coaching a head coaching gig with the Miami Dolphins and a lot of people thought Brandon Daly was going to get that promotion and be the new defensive coordinator not the case for Brandon Daly and he decided to leave New England and now he is in Kansas City reuniting with Steve Spagnuolo I did mention Steve uh excuse me Brandon Daly's time with the St. Louis Rams that is where he has familiarity with Steve Spagnuolo. And by the way, Brandon Daly has coached a lot of great guys. A lot of great defensive linemen over the years. Just to name a few. Trey Flowers, Lawrence Guy, Chandler Jones, Vince Wilfork, Kevin Williams, Jared Allen, who we are all very familiar with. Chris Long, Pat Williams. Uh, by the way, Daly was an assistant defensive line coach for the Vikings from 2006 to, to, to 2008. That is when the Williams duo, Pat and Kevin Williams... Started playing really well in their careers. He went back to Minnesota for a second stint. And that is when he uh, got to coach Jared Allen a little bit. Uh, he was also on the same staff as Eric Bieniemy in Minnesota. Fun fact, Eric Bieniemy, of course, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, did receive some interest from teams uh, for a head coaching job. Uh, but he and Eric Bieniemy uh, have worked to- together in Minnesota. So very small world, of course, Staley. Uh, As I mentioned, worked with Spagnuolo in St. Louis when the Rams were there. And that is a a connection for Brandon Daly coming to Kansas City. So there's Brandon Daly. That's your defensive line coach. Your linebackers coach, I'm very excited about this guy. And man, there was some crazy drama with this one. Matt House, the defensive coordinator for Kentucky, will be joining the Chiefs coaching staff. And things were, as I mentioned, dramatic with uh, whether he was going to come to Kansas City. Then we had no idea. Here's what happened. Because I know I wrote a lot of different things on Facebook. Just simply following the report. So I probably confused a lot of you guys. And I apologize for that. Here's what happened. Matt House agreed to join the Kansas City Chiefs coaching staff. And it was assumed that Kentucky was going to buy out his contract. Then they said no. Why? No one, no one knows for sure. Uh, the Chiefs were upset. Matt House himself was very upset. Then the Chiefs reached out to the University of Kentucky and they came to some sort of an agreement to have Matt House be released and 
He, uh, the former defensive coordinator uh, for Kentucky from 2016 to 2018, he is now the linebackers coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. And to look at Kentucky this past season, their defense, Kentucky finished 19th in total defense, 17th against the pass, and 7th in points per game. And if you want to look at some of the other places, he has made stops at, he was a defensive coordinator at Florida International and at Pittsburgh, was an assistant special teams coach and a strength and conditioning assistant with the Carolina Panthers in 2008. And in St. Louis with Spagnolo, he was the quality control coach and the assistant linebackers coach for the Rams. So again, that uh, another St. Louis connection with Steve Spagnolo. Uh, first Brandon Daly and now Matt House, guys who worked with Steve when Spagnolo was the head coach for the Rams at the time for a couple of years. And that is the connection that allowed Matt House to make his way to Kansas City. Uh, very excited about this. I am because you know that under this 4-3 defense, the linebackers are going to have a much more different role. And I know they're not going to be limited to the 4-3. You'll see a few shifts here and there. I, I think people get too caught up with those scheme titles, the 4-3 defense or the 3-4 way. Well, yet there are times where you might see a substitution where you put in an extra defensive lineman and then you have uh, less linebackers there. So we'll see exactly how the Chiefs handle this defense moving forward. But I think that house is going to be a very good and very important addition to the Chiefs coaching staff. This is someone who you should be very excited to have on the coaching staff. I was actually really disappointed when the word came out that Kentucky was not going to let him go and that they were not going to buy out his contract. When the Chiefs in Kentucky came to an agreement on letting Matt House come to the Chiefs, boy, I was thrilled for this. I'm also thrilled for the addition of this guy right here, David Merritt, former NFL linebacker, didn't play a whole lot, played for Miami for part of 1993, and then the remainder of 1993 through 1995, played for the Arizona Cardinals. Very short playing career, but a very good Coaching career. By the way, he also played for the Rain Fire from uh, uh, the NFL Europe League in 1997. Coached the defensive line and linebackers in college from 1997 to 2000. Several different stops there. From 2001 to 2003, he was a part of the New York Jets coaching staff, coaching the linebackers. In 2004, he stayed in New York but went to the Giants as the quality control coach. In 2005, he was a defensive assistant from 2006 all the way through 2017 for 14 years, uh, or 12 of the 14 years. Uh, he was the defensive backs coach for the New York Giants, and that includes two Super Bowl wins over the New England Patriots. So here's what you have with this Chiefs defensive coaching staff. Your defensive coordinator, C. Spagnolo, has one ring, and he also has head coaching experience. I know it was not a... Good run as a head coach, but still, that head coaching wisdom does make an impact when you go back to your coordinator role on these players. So I think that is going to be something big that these defensive players will value. Steve Spagnuolo has one Super Bowl ring. Brandon Daly with the Patriots has three rings. David Merritt, sharing one with Spagnuolo, has two Super Bowl rings. Now, Matt House does not have a ring, but brings in a lot of experience and a lot of success Excuse me, coaching at the college level. Andy Reid has produced a lot of good offensive coordinator turned coaches and Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy 
And Peterson produced Frank Reich. Frank Reich not directly from the Andy Reid coaching tree, but uh, he, he, he was uh, part of the coaching staff from Doug Peterson, who was obviously directly from Andy Reid's coaching tree. So uh, we've seen the Andy Reid coaching tree blossom a little bit. We all thought Eric Bieniemy was going to have a, a good shot at getting a head coaching job. Maybe not going to happen this offseason, but probably next offseason. You never know. And I think right now you've got... Probably one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL. Andy Reid is your head coach. Steve Spagnuolo is your defensive coordinator. And a very good coaching staff on the defensive side of the football. And I think offensively, look, you know what's going on offensively. You're coming off a season where you had the third highest scoring offense in NFL history. You look at the offensive side of the football and the coaching staff you have there, a lot of great coaches there. Mike Kafka, the quarterback's coach who was drafted by Andy Reid in Philadelphia in 2010. Greg Lewis, the wide receiver's coach. Tom Melvin, the tight end's coach. Uh, you also have uh, Delay McCullough, the running back's coach. Andy Heck, uh, who coaches the offensive line. Uh, you've got a great coaching staff going into 2019. And I haven't mentioned this guy's name yet. I know this unit did not have a very good season in 2018. But look, one bad year. I'm not ready to call for this guy's job or anything. Because I think this guy definitely has uh, the abilities to become a head coach one day. In fact, he is the assistant head coach for the Chiefs, at least for right now. And that is Dave Tobe, the special teams coordinator. I know special teams, not the greatest year for Kansas City. Uh, there have been better seasons under Dave Tobe. But uh, there's a reason why Dave Tobe's name continues to come up as a head coaching candidate. Now, why hasn't he gotten one yet? Not going to get into that too much. Maybe he's declined. Maybe there, there's there been heavy interest there. But Teams have gone elsewhere. At the end of the day, the point is, you've got an incredible coaching staff in Kansas City. A lot of success on the offensive side of the football. Now you're going to see a balance, a big balance with this football team. And that is what I'm excited for the most. I think a lot of these guys, even if, even if you bring back all of the starting 11 defensive players that ended the season for the Chiefs, not that a lot of people would want to see that, but I guarantee you those guys would improve drastically just based on this coaching staff alone. That's how big of a difference this team is going to will see essentially on defense. That that's what I'm really excited for, and you absolutely should be. If you're not excited by now, man, I don't know what to tell you because this is something that. We complained about all year long. Everybody was calling for Bob Sutton's job. Everybody was angry. Nobody was happy with this defense. But now, you're getting what you wanted as Chiefs fans. A lot of people wanted Bob Sutton gone. He's out. And you replace all your position coaches at defensive line, linebackers, and at the secondary. And I'm sure the Chiefs are going to put together some assistance, defensive quality control guys. Uh, those guys are on the way, but man, this is a coaching staff that if I was a defensive player, man, I would love to get drafted by. I would love to join and play for them. And here's something a lot of people are saying. The three position coaches, Brandon Daly, Matt House, and David Merritt, all three of these guys are supposedly future defensive coordinators. That is the expectation from all three guys, that they will be defensive coordinators in the NFL. Matt House, of course, was a defensive coordinator, but that was at the college level. Much different than the NFL when, especially now, you're, you're seeing all these quarterbacks in these 
high-powered offenses. Uh, so it's going to be a bit of a different uh, transition for him when he gets to that point. But all three of these guys are expected to be defensive coordinators at some point in their coaching careers in the NFL. Reminds me a lot of Marty Scheinheimer's coaching staff. A lot of great guys on that coaching staff that became coordinators and eventually head coaches. You look at some of the guys Marty Schottenheimer had in, in his coaching staff in Kansas City, and even outside of Kansas City, guys like, and again, long list here, not all of these guys had success as head coaches, but listen to this list. Bill Cowher, Gunther Cunningham, Tony Dungy, Mike McCarthy, Herm Edwards, Cam Cameron, Wade Phillips, uh, Bruce Arians, Tony uh, Sperano, Kurt Schottenheimer, his son, of course, was a head coach in the UFL, and Dale Lindsay. I mean, so many guys who have become head coaches. And this is not, I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, you look at guys, uh, I mean, from, from from his Kansas City days, I mean, Bill Cower, and by the way, Bill Cower produced guys like Marvin Lewis and Ken Wisenhunt, Tony Dungy, you saw guys like Lovey Smith, Rod Marinelli, Mike Tomlin, so many guys from this Schottenheimer coaching tree. And it's kind of like what you're seeing with Andy Reid, Peterson and Nagy, and under Peterson, Frank Reich. Uh, coming out of that, uh, I mean, it's it's going to be a long tree with Andy Reid. Steve Spagnuolo, if he does really well in Kansas City with this defense, he might get another shot down the road. That's what I'm really excited with with this defense. You're not going to have these guys for very long, unfortunately, but that's a good thing. I know I just said unfortunately, but that's that, that's how you 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 succeed. And listen, good teams continue to find ways. I mean, the guys who are assistant. Defensive line coaches, assistant linebackers coaches, assistant defensive backs coaches. Those guys then take your spots and eventually they will become coordinators and then they move on. You just continue to teach these guys under you and that's how you keep your team successful. By making sure everyone on your coaching staff, uh, even the newer guys, the younger guys, the assistants who don't have notable titles but are learning and know what to do by the time it's their turn to take that spot over. Uh, look, look at look at uh, look at uh, the Patriots with with what Bill Belichick does. You have Josh McDaniels, or excuse me, you had Charlie Weiss. Then you had Josh McDaniels. I don't remember who the offensive coordinator was for the Patriots when McDaniels was with Denver, but obviously McDaniels went back. You look at the defensive side. You had Romeo Cornell. You had Bill O'Brien. You had who else did you have? Uh, Brian Flores, of course, we mentioned him. So there have been a lot of great guys on that defensive coaching. And Brandon Daly could have easily been uh, the new defensive coordinator. So teams still find a way, good teams, find a way to continue to have great coaches, even though they, they succeed. A team like the Patriots, I mean, look, the Patriots deal with turnover a lot. This is nothing new in New England. Andy Reid's dealt with a lot of turnover because of all the great years he's had in Philadelphia and in KC. Despite not winning a ring just yet, he's come close. And a lot of people think it's going to happen in Kansas City. So that's what I'm excited for the most, looking at this Chiefs coaching staff. And man, uh, let, me, let me say this. I'm sure Steve Spagnuolo and these defensive assistants that I mentioned, I'm sure they've gotten to work already. They're taking the time to look at the film from the 2018 season with this Chiefs team. And I'm sure they're really surprised at the fact that this is a 31st ranked defense. Could not finish their tackles. Miss a lot of tackles. A lot, a lot of players to slip through. I could hardly stop the run. And on top of that, they led the league with the Steelers with 52 sacks. 
finish in the top 10 in forced turnovers. That doesn't happen on a 31st ranked defense. So there are a lot of things to improve on with this Chiefs defense. 24th in points allowed per game. 31st in total defense. 31st against the pass and 27th against the run. And again, as I mentioned, 8th in the NFL in 27 forced turnovers and co-led the league with 52 sacks. The, I, I, I don't know any defense that has had that kind of a stat line while finishing 31st. And I think Steve Spagnuolo is going to figure out why that was the case. And he'll turn this defense around in the right direction. And it's going to grow quickly. This defense under Steve Spagnuolo and all these assistants that we have right now in Kansas City. They're going to help this defense. And this defense is going to blossom and do a whole lot better in 2019. Now, the one person who I did not mention on that defensive coaching staff is Emmett Thomas. Uh, I mentioned David Merritt. He's he's your secondaries coach. So Emmett Thomas, he announced this week that he will be retiring from coaching. Former Super Bowl champion, Hall of Famer, great defensive backs coach, 12th all-time in career interceptions with 58 in NFL history, spent all 13 years of his playing career with the Kansas City Chiefs, and coached his last nine seasons in Kansas City, 22 years altogether with the Kansas City Chiefs as a player and a coach. Three Super Bowl rings as a player and coach combined. He won, of course, the uh, uh, the Super Bowl in 1970 over the Minnesota Vikings in Super Bowl IV. And then as a coach, as an assistant coach, he won a pair of rings with the Redskins, was also an interim head coach at one point with the Atlanta Falcons. 51 total seasons playing and coaching in the NFL. I'd be very curious to know how many how many players turned coaches out there have spent 50 total years in the NFL. Now, if someone's a coach and turned executive, okay, I'd be willing to be interested in that as well. But how many players, obviously former players, have spent a total of 50 or so years in the NFL, I, I, I tried to look that up, couldn't find anything. If any of you guys know anything about that, send that my way. I'd be very interested in knowing about that. Let me know. Obviously, a lot we've discussed so far. Give me your thoughts on this defensive coaching staff. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugi and Twitter.com slash Farzine 21. Send me a tweet on Twitter. Now, one thing I do want to get into, because this one riled up Chiefs fans, because Chiefs fans are still upset about a certain comment made by Tony Gonzalez, the former tight end who was recently elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, will be inducted in August. And a good chance the Chiefs will have a fifth preseason game. They'll play in the Hall of Fame preseason game because there are three former Chiefs who are getting elected. You've got Tony Gonzalez. He's getting in. You've got Johnny Robinson and Ty Law from the Kansas City Chiefs, all who played for the Chiefs. Getting in, and there's a good chance the Chiefs might play in that Hall of Fame game. Now, outside of that, let's go back to Tony Gonzalez, because a lot of you guys were upset about his comments. The reason I'm bringing this up is because the NFL's Snapchat account put together a really interesting list of the best players of all time for all 32 NFL teams, and for the Chiefs, 
they picked Tony Gonzalez. Many of you disagreed with this, and a lot of you guys talked about the Atlanta Falcons comment that he made recently. Look, the the article even mentions that Chiefs fans are currently disgruntled with Tony Gonzalez. Look, I've talked about that, so I'm not going to be a broken record and repeat what I said before about that. What I will say is, I don't think it's an outrageous opinion to say Tony Gonzalez is the best player in Chiefs history. I don't agree with it, but I don't think it is completely out of line. If you told me who my number one is, I give it to Derek Thomas. If you ask me who number two is, I don't know if a lot of people would have this guy on their top five even, but he's going to be my number two, and that is Will Shields. For a guy to hardly miss any games and constantly at that position dealing with 300-plus pound linemen, Day in and day out, even in practices, for a guy like Will Shields to have the career that he had, that cannot be forgotten. And I think Will Shields definitely should be up there. Uh, I would put Gonzalez number three. I would put Bobby Bell and Willie Lanier four and five. And look, I mean, your top five, my top five at least, are are, are linebackers for the Chiefs. And anyone who is familiar with the Chiefs history knows that this team has had a lot of great luck with linebackers, a lot of great linebackers over the years. Now you might be asking, where in the world do you have Len Dawson? I get it. Len Dawson's a quarterback. He won Super Bowl MVP. The quarterback always gets the glory during a championship season or a really good season. I have Len Dawson number six, and here's why. A lot of people would argue that Len Dawson's number one because he has a Super Bowl MVP and has the only Super Bowl title in Chiefs history as a quarterback. Here's my thing with that, folks. Just because a guy, just because you know a, a team has a Super Bowl win, doesn't mean that their quarterback was their best player. Now, don't get me wrong. Len Dawson deserved Super Bowl MVP honors, and he deserved that ring that year. But there's a reason why the Chiefs now have six players from that Super Bowl defense in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I have two of them above Len Dawson, Bobby Bell, and Willie Lanier, maybe there's a case for Emma Thomas to just barely edge out Len Dawson. I would not agree with that, but maybe if you could make a convincing argument for that, I could understand that. But uh, maybe Buck Buchanan, uh, Johnny Robinson, who just got elected into the Hall of Fame. I don't know if I'd agree with his name above Len Dawson. Uh, but man, there's a reason why that defense has six Hall of Famers. And that's why I put Len Dawson number six. Uh, the Chiefs have had much more... Great success on defense, and they've had on offense as far as individual play goes. Now, I know Derek Thomas never won a ring in Kansas City, didn't have a lot of playoff success, but Derek Thomas is a guy who changed the position. Similar to how Derek, uh, excuse me, Tony Gonzalez changed it. Let me say this Derek Thomas, Will Shields, and Tony Gonzalez, those three guys changed their positions. They really did. Derek Thomas, we had not seen many guys like Derek Thomas. I'd say, I remember Gil Brandt. He put together uh, the uh, top 25 pass rushers of all time in NFL history. Pass rushers are outside linebackers. I can't remember. He put Derek Thomas number two. And number one on that list was Lawrence Taylor. And I would agree with that. I think Lawrence Taylor is the best pass rusher to ever play in the NFL. And I think Derek Thomas is right behind him. Who knows what would have happened. I know... Last week was, of course, the anniversary where uh, Derek Thomas tragically lost his life. 
And then uh, in that car accident, is, I believe that was a icy winter day. Uh, but nonetheless, I definitely think that Derek Thomas is number one in Chiefs history. Let me know. We've got a debate about this going on already on the Facebook page. It's never too late to join in on the discussion. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugi. And now, going to continue some of the Chiefs talk, but more so former Chiefs. Bob Sutton. Yes, Bob Sutton. Uh, everyone's favorite defensive coordinator, uh, except not really. He is the Atlanta Falcons senior assistant. I mean, good luck. <laughs> uh, he's not the defensive coordinator. He is a senior assistant. Uh, although I still uh, don't know if I would want that. Uh, you won't be blowing 25-point leads because I don't know if you'll have 25-point leads, uh, depending how much power Bob Sutton has with that defense. By the way, the Falcons 24-7 media outlets, uh, their headline was on Facebook, the caption, I should say, uh, wrote, the Falcons are getting a well-respected coach. Mm, I don't know. Look, uh, nice guy. Bob Sutton really is. Uh, I think he's had some uh, success defensively here, but the past couple of years have been atrocious. And that's putting it nicely. That really is. And I I, I just don't know if Bob Sutton's going to have a bigger role on a coaching staff ever again. I just don't know if that'll be the case with him. Uh, a couple of you guys had some interesting things to say. Tracy commented, she wrote, even though he was terrible, at least he has a job, right? Yeah, got a job. Steve wrote, the un- uh, excuse me, the employment rate in the U.S. is through the roof. If you want a job, just apply. Man, I, I, you know, people, Donald Trump says a lot about how jobs are so, sore unemployment, unemployment, excuse me, is so low. People are saying, well, that's more Obama's doing. It was already, unemployment was declining. But a lot of people are saying Trump's creating jobs. Hey, why not? Maybe it's both. Maybe Trump is onto something here. Uh, I mean, if uh, if Bob Sutton's getting a job, yeah, sure, I guess. Why not? Uh, that's your political co- comment for the week. Uh, Matt wrote, won't have to worry about blowing fourth quarter leads because now they won't have any to begin with. Again, keep in mind, he's hired as a senior assistant. Not a coordinator, not a defensive coordinator. Uh, but who knows? Uh, if he is a coordinator, boy, good luck to the Falcons ever seeing success under Bob Sutton. Now, the other former chief who got picked up, and this one, probably one of the biggest stories in the NFL this week, Kareem Hunt. A lot of people wondered, would he get a chance? Some said, hell no. Some said, hell yes. And hell yes, Kareem Hunt's getting a second chance. He has signed a contract, a one-year deal, uh, worth just a couple of million dollars with the Cleveland Browns. Now, keep in mind, he is still on the commissioner's exempt list, although Ian Rappaport reported in January he is expected to be removed from that list in March. Uh, He was able to sign a deal. However, he cannot practice nor play. At least that was the case while he was in Kansas City when that uh, that was announced that he was on the commissioner's exemplus, although it was within an hour the Chiefs released him after the news came out that he was on the list. So still on the commissioner's exemplus, nothing changes. You can still sign with the team. Uh, I thought you could not, uh, and I did mention that earlier this offseason, so I do apologize for mentioning that. Uh, but that is the case right now. Uh, he's with the Falcons, cannot 
really be at team facilities unless he's getting treatment for an injury. That is, uh, according to Rappaport and Garofolo on NFL Network, during the season when this was announced, uh, but cannot practice, cannot play. Look, a lot of Chiefs fans are happy for Kareem Hunt. A lot of sports fans are happy for Kareem Hunt. In fact, a lot of Chiefs fans are upset because when the news came out, oh, not the news, I should say, but at least the word came out that the Chiefs would consider it that is when talk started to heat up, and I think that's when the Fal- uh, excuse me, the Browns said, "Hey, look, we got to pull the trigger. We got to do it because the Chiefs made this comment. We got to hurry up and do something." So that's exactly what the Browns did. Of course, reuniting with John Dorsey, who drafted Kareem Hunt in Kansas City in his last year before leaving the Chiefs. In fact, uh, he uh, that was his last draft with the Chiefs. Was not, he did not remain as a GM? Going into Kareem Hunt's rookie season. Also Patrick Mahomes' rookie season. Uh, as I mentioned, Chiefs fans are happy. Sports fans are happy. The story was uh, mentioned on all sports media outlets. ESPN, Fox Sports, CBS Sports, NBC, you name it. TSN, everyone was happy to hear about Kareem Hunt getting a second chance. Uh, there are a few Cleveland Browns fans who are angry about this, and look, understandably so. There are some people out there who maybe have a personal incident like this, and they just cannot ever forgive someone in a, in a similar situation. I fully understand that. But show those people Kareem Hunt's highlights, both both highlights against the Patriots, the one where he had his NFL debut and destroyed the Pats, and then the other one last year, where didn't win, but still did a lot in that football game. Uh, what Kareem Hunt did won't change, but I think you those uh, people's opinions on Hunt will change a little bit if they see those highlights against the Patriots. Because let's be honest, if you got a guy who single-handedly almost destroyed the Patriots, maybe you can make an exception for a guy. Let's be honest, in any industry, uh, I mean, if there's someone who's excelling, but has a troubled past. Look, man, if you are dominating at your job, whatever you do, they're going to cut you a little bit of slack. That's what's going on with Kareem Hunt right now. Now, sports fans are happy. However, this story was covered on CBS News, Fox News, ABC, NBC News, CNN, C-SPAN, all over the mainstream news outlets. Not sports outlets, news outlets. A lot of their readers we're very angry about this. And everyone's comparing this to Colin Kaepernick. And that, look, how is it that Kareem Hunt has a job and Colin Kaepernick doesn't? And look, I'm not going to sit here and debate this because we have debated this hundreds of times. We're just going to go in circles again. I agree with that question. I do. Uh, any rational human being out there has to understand what Colin Kaepernick did, whether you agree with his stance or not for protesting during the anthem, it's not even remotely close to what Kareem Hunt did. So why is it that Colin Kaepernick continues to get the shaft? I don't know. By the way, uh, going back to sports fans being happy for Kareem Hunt, where was this reaction for guys like Larry Johnson, Michael Vick, Tyreek Hill, Greg Hardy, just to name a few. Because when Tyreek Hill got drafted, every single Chiefs fan was angry. Whether you want to admit it or not. I still remember all the reactions at the time. The biggest story coming out of that draft class from 2015, because the Chiefs didn't have a first-round pick 
The biggest story was the Chiefs got Tyree Kill, a very troubled... Uh, I take that back. Not a troublemaker, but someone who did something completely unforgivable. That was the story. Now, obviously everyone forgave him. Michael Vick, when he went to the Pittsburgh Steelers, there was a petition to get rid of him. When he came to Kansas City, there was a lot of outrage when he was a coaching intern for the Chiefs. A lot of outrage for Michael Vick. Larry Johnson. Now, there was no footage of what he did, but perhaps not much different than Kareem Hunt. What Kareem Hunt did. There was a petition to get LJ out of Kansas City. So what's happened here? Do we have a bit of a change of heart? Or did losing in the AFC Championship game in overtime give Chiefs fans second thoughts on, on, on wanting to give Kareem Hunt a second chance? I don't know. Maybe as a society, we have come to a point where we have learned to forgive a little bit more and root for these guys to not only get a second chance, but also root for them to improve in their personal lives. Sure, look, maybe somebody goes out there and gets charged for assault. Maybe someone is having a real bad drinking problem. They have a DUI. Uh, Look, you don't want that person to face that problem forever. You would love to see that person improve on those bad habits. That's what everyone wants from Kareem Hunt. And I think that's where a lot of sports fans are coming from. Again, look, I'm not going to sit here and... Tell people how to think about about this. Uh, He did something horrible. And he has two other incidents. And and look, let me just say this for Kareem Hunt. If I'm him, whatever he believes in, I am praying that they do not have footage of what he did in the other two incidents. Because if people are saying second chance, second chance, second chance, okay, but... He did have a second chance. In fact, he had three incidents. The Chiefs claimed they knew about all three of them. The first one, which was the most recent one we learned about, Clark Hunt says the team knew about it. You can believe it if you want or not. But he essentially had three chances with the Chiefs. He is going to be on a one-strike count with Cleveland. One incident, boy, you are gone. And look, he is in Cleveland where... Two of those incidents happened. I said this before, man. If I could give advice to Kareem Hunt, pick some new friends. I've shared my personal experience with this man. I I, I didn't have a whole lot of friends in high school. The friends who I did have, they were troublemakers. Now, I was not a troublemaker myself. However, I, I knew that if I continued to hang out with these guys, I could I could be guilty by association just by being around them. Even though I would not do anything that would be breaking the law, just being around these guys alone, uh, you just never know sometimes. That could still get you behind handcuffs. And look, I mean, the people who I'm referring to, I hope they're doing better with their personal lives now. Uh, But at the time I made a choice. I said, look, I can't be around troublemakers. I just can't. Not how I was raised. I've always stayed out of major trouble. And uh, listen, Brian Ortega, a UFC fighter who was undefeated up until his most recent fight for the uh, featherweight title, he has a very similar story. He had a lot of troublemaker friends and he kept getting into trouble. And uh, his current boxing coach said to him at the time, hey, look, I can teach you some cool things in life, but I'm going to ask you to give up the friends you have. He did exactly that and that guy got his life on track. 
So look, Kareem Hunt can do the exact same thing. But it's going to come at a high price. I get it, man. I mean, these are your boys. You roll with them, obviously. But being around them also gets you into trouble. Now look, that woman should be accepting some responsibility as well. Uh, But Kareem Hunt could have handled that much better. He could have. There, no, no rational person can disagree with that. No way. So let's hope that Kareem Hunt has learned from that incident, has learned from the other two incidents that are not on film. Thank goodness for him. Because at this point, he is on a one-strike count. Anything that happens from here on out, it'll not only depend on him earning a big contract down the road, but maybe even his playing career for the rest of his life. Now, like any sports fan, when you have a big-name player or coach that moves on elsewhere, a lot of you guys tend to follow that. Chiefs fans, no different. I asked you guys on Facebook, do you care about his career moving forward? Will you follow him closely, being a former Chief, in a big way? Jackie said, let it go. It was a huge mistake to release him. Kansas City could have worked something out where he got counseling. It's a huge gain for the Browns. Eric says, I'll track his progress and wish him well in the future as long as his success does not impinge on the Chiefs. But he's not in KC and I don't worship from afar. Now, some of you said you don't care at all and that you're happy for him. Some of you said you wish him well and you will be following him on a personal level and on a professional level. So there is that. Let me know your thoughts as always. Again, like I said, never too late to join in on any of the topics that we've discussed here on the podcast that we have on the page. Or if we haven't discussed it on the podcast and we, we still have it on the page. Uh, never too late for that. Join in on the party. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. By the way, before I move on, I think I forgot to mention this for the autograph giveaway that I mentioned earlier that I promised if, if the certain number of likes happens. Here's a very easy way to invite all your friends. If you go to my page at Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, and if you look at the community, the part where it says community on the right-hand side, you can see how many likes there are. You can click on invite your friends. Uh, something will pop up. Hit the button that says select all, then select uh, send invite. Just a couple of clicks and you can invite all your friends. So if you got a bunch of friends that you think will help us reach the 5,000, 7,500, or 10,000, hey, look, do that. And if everyone's doing that, hey, uh, we might end up giving away the prizes before before the regular season gets underway. Uh, I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the podcast, saying that now. So uh, that is one very, very, very easy way to invite every single person on your friends list. So, there is that before we move on. Now, let's switch gears and talk free agency. Let's look at some of the Chiefs players who are considered top free agents in the NFL this offseason, as well as some of the other top free agents. Uh, NFLTradeRumors.co has a very nice list of the top 100 free agents. I'm not going to read you guys every single player on this list. But I kind of want to look at some of the defensive guys and who the Chiefs could go after. So let me just read you the top five players. Four of them are defensive guys. One of them is a Chiefs player. Number one, a 4-3 defensive end, Demarcus Lawrence. Number two, another 4-3 defensive end from the Patriots, Trey Flowers. Jadavian Clowney, a 3-4 outside linebacker from Houston, who might do very well and is two years younger than D. Ford and could do very well. 
in Kansas City's 4-3 defense. Number four on that list is D. Ford, who is obviously without a contract. He can be tagged, but he has hinted at, at coming back. Uh, he's currently listed as a 3-4 outside linebacker, but on a 4-3 scheme, on a 4-3 scheme, pardon me, he is a defensive end. Now, number five on that list, Le'Veon Bell, despite not playing for the Steelers this past year. Uh, Kareem Hunt was eighth on this list at the beginning of the week, but of course signed. He is obviously no longer a free agent. I want to go to number seven, Earl Thomas uh, from the Seahawks. He'll be 30 years old, and he's a player who the Chiefs had reportedly verbally agreed on, on trading for with the Seahawks, but Earl Thomas did suffer that injury and is did not make his way to Kansas City, but could still happen this offseason. Maybe that that addition happens in a different way, maybe a little bit later than expected. That is one thing to keep in mind. Also from the Seahawks, Frank Clark, a 4-3 defensive end at 26 years old, the eighth best free agent. And this is also an interesting one right here. Landon Collins, safety from the New York Giants. And the reason I mention his name is because he has familiarity with David Merritt, who is the new defensive backs coach for Casey. Number 10 is interesting. That's Nick Foles, former Chiefs quarterback and Super Bowl MVP for the Eagles. Uh, but let's move on down the list here and focus more on the defense. Another 4-3 defensive end from Philadelphia, Brandon Graham. A couple of safeties in the top 15, Haha Clinton Dix. From the Washington Redskins and Green Bay Packers, Tyron Matthew, who a lot of Chiefs fans were hoping for uh, safety from the Houston Texans. So you've got those guys. Uh, Preston Smith from Washington. He uh, he was a 3-4 outside linebacker, could convert to a 4-3 defensive end. Ezekiel Ansah from the Detroit Lions, a 4-3 defensive end. Ronald Darby, a cornerback from Philadelphia at 25 years old. Going down the line, seeing who else the Chiefs could, could get. LaMarcus Joyner, safety from the Rams. Adrian Amos, another safety from the Chicago Bears. Also from the Chicago Bears, uh, right behind Amos at number 31. Bryce Callahan, the cornerback for the Bears in his late, tw- uh, uh, late 20s. Kareem Jackson, veteran cornerback from the Houston Texans at number 33. Uh, Jason McCourty uh, is another good cornerback on this list. Another good veteran cornerback at 32 years old. Of course, just won a ring with the New England Patriots. Uh, A couple of Chiefs are mentioned on this list. Number 39, Mitch Morse, the center, has not allowed a sack since his rookie year. And Steven Nelson, the cornerback, listed at number 40. So 39 is Mitch Morse, the 39th best available free agent. And Steven Nelson, 40th best. Now, we still have time to get contract situations, re-signing players, get that all sorted out. But that is what you have right now from the Chiefs. You have Trey Boston, by the way, who a lot of Chiefs fans were hoping would come over to Kansas City. Uh, 27-year-old safety who played with the Arizona Cardinals in 2018. Now, switching over uh, outside of the top 50, uh, obviously your options aren't as enticing at this point, but still some notable guys. Uh, Bradley Roby, cornerback from the Denver Broncos. Kenny Vaccaro, safety from the Tennessee Titans, of course, was coached by Mike Vrabel. Great defensive-minded guy and obviously just had his uh, first year as a head coach. and Did very well with the Titans, I thought, for his first year. Continuing to go down the line, uh, Cameron Wake, 
4-3 defensive end from Miami at 37 years old. Maybe he brings that experience to Kansas City, that veteran experience. I know that's not a very attractive age number right there for a defensive player, especially when you're making this transition to the 4-3, but has that 4-3 experience, and that would be something nice to have for one year in KC. Alex Okafor from the Saints at 28 years old. He would be a good guy to have on the Chiefs' defense. Uh, looking down the line here, not a, a whole lot of notable names as far as defensive players go. But, man, uh, you look at some of the players on this list. I didn't mention this guy, by the way, going back to the top 50 and more specifically number 19, N- Sue. Great year for the L.A. Rams. Of course, part of that powerful front working next to Aaron Donald. A lot of great success on that defense for the Rams. Everyone knows about that. 32 years old, but still can bring it, and he's very hard to stop. Very difficult for offensive linemen to stop Ndamukong Sue. I know he was quiet in that Super Bowl. Did a few things here and there as an Aaron Donald. But, uh, man, he's had a, a, a pretty crazy career. Everyone's been aware of Ndamukong Sue throughout his career. So just to recap, some of the more notable guys. 4-3 defensive ends. Demarcus Lawrence and Trey Flowers, the top two rated free agents right now. Jadavian Clowney, a 3-4 outside linebacker, number three on the list, but could convert to the 4-3 defense. Steve Ford is number four on this list. Earl Thomas, a safety who the Chiefs almost traded for. He is number seven on the list. Landon Collins, there is a Chiefs connection with David Merritt. He could come over to Kansas City and join David Merritt once again. He is ranked ninth on the list. Haha Clinton Dix and Tyron Matthew, both in the top 15, both safeties. Uh, Sheldon Richardson didn't mention his name, defensive tackle from Minnesota. Maybe a guy who you look to to help improve on your 4-3, de- or not improve on your 4-3 defense, but try to get a good jump start going back to the 4-3 defense and improving on your uh, 31st total defense ranking. Uh, I mentioned Ezekiel Ansah. I, I didn't mention Zadarius Smith from Baltimore. Part of a very good defense was a 3-4 outside linebacker. So if you don't bring back D. Ford, that is an option right there for the Chiefs. Ronald Darby from the Eagles. LaMarcus Joyner, Adrian Amos, both inside the top 30 for the Chiefs. And just uh, within the 30s, you've got Kareem Jackson, cornerback from Houston. So a lot of really good defensive players. In free agency. Now some of these guys might get tagged. Or they might re-sign. That is something to keep in mind right now. But uh, the reality is. That that won't be the case for everyone. There will be some of these guys. That will be available in mid-March. And that is when Brett Veach. Should definitely pull the trigger. And do what he can to. Work some of these guys out. Talk to their agents. And sign some deals man. Because you're going to need a couple of new players. On this defense. Depends on who you lose and what you want to do. There is talks about Justin Houston being a surprise cut. I don't know if I agree with that for Justin Houston. You look at Justin Houston's stats, and keep one thing in mind, even though they're not eye-glowing stats, he's on a team that had a great front seven. At times, it's it's almost like a race between you and your own teammate as to who can get to the quarterback first. So keep that in mind. Here's uh, here are some of the numbers. Justin Houston tied 24th in the NFL in sacks with nine. He obviously missed a few games. Keep in mind, he was also on a team with D. Ford, who had 13 sacks, and Chris Jones, who had 15 and a half sacks 
both in the top 10. Forced fumbles. D. Ford co-led the league with J.J. Watt of the Texans with 7. Justin Houston was 5th in the NFL with 5 forced fumbles, despite missing a few games. Allen Bailey, by the way, led the NFL on fumble recoveries with 4. Justin Houston tied 2nd with 4 in that category. So Justin Houston, even though he missed a couple of games this year, he had a big impact on this Chiefs defense. And look, I know his cap number maybe doesn't match his production level, uh, you look at 2017, 22.1 million. 2018, this past year, 20.6 million. That's his cap number. This year, it's going to be 21.1 million. It'll be the second highest he's ever had. And then in 2020, it'll be 19 million. Now, when he signed this deal after the 2014 season, I did say at one point, I said, look, that crazy deal he signed, he, he got. What was it? Uh, one, two, three, four. A six-year extension worth $101 million. And when I looked at the cap number for each year, I saw $22.1 million for 2017, $20.6 for 2018, $21.1 for 2019, and for 2020, the last year of his deal, $19 million. And I just knew right then and there that, hey, look, this does scream restructure sometime down the road. And Chiefs fans are calling for it right now. Brett Veach said there has not been any talks of restructuring yet. But who knows? It could happen. Maybe it has happened and you just don't admit that stuff publicly. I think Justin Houston, you cannot afford to lose him. If he doesn't want to restructure, boy, uh, he did earn it because he didn't He didn't make much his first few years. Listen, Justin Houston, even though he's 24th in the NFL in sacks with nine, got to consider that he missed games. And he was on a pretty crowded defensive front. And on top of that, he still was in the top five in fumble recoveries and forced fumbles. That's not a very easy thing to do, despite missing a few games. But Justin Houston found a way to do so. And I think he should definitely... Keep his job, and I would be very disappointed in the Chiefs if he gets cut. Now look, I understand they're trying to do everything they can to extend Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, and Chris Jones. Uh, Tyree Kill and Chris Jones eligible for new deals this offseason. Patrick Mahomes next offseason, and Brett Veach said, Hey look, it's been a year now that we have been preparing for a potential big contract to extend Mahomes. But I just don't know right now if Justin, if, if releasing Justin Houston or trading him is the right move. You've got to keep him. He's a big part of your defense, especially when D Ford's also out there. And boy, I mentioned Steve Spagnuolo and this defensive coaching staff. They've got a lot of great players. Justin Houston's a guy you want to really build this defense around as you make the transition to the 4-3 defense. So I don't think Justin Houston should be released Based on his contract. You need him. Uh, you know, if I had to say yes, no, is he worth it? I go yes. I say he is worth the $21.1 million. I think he can return to that, to that 2014 form. Very difficult thing to do. Especially when he suffered a lot of injuries. But I think he will get back into that this year. This was by far Justin Houston's best year since the 22 sack season he had. And I think he can get closer to his 2014 form in 2019. 
Man, we covered a lot on this episode. A lot we have discussed here. As always, I want to hear your thoughts. Facebook.com slash FarzineVesugian. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Uh, join in on the conversation because there, even though this is the offseason, boy, uh, have we discussed a lot with the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL this week. And there is a lot to really chew on from all this. And a lot to think about moving forward. Like I said, I always want to hear from you guys. Let me know. For now, it is time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Boy, some big news in the AFC West. The Denver Broncos trade a fourth-round pick to the Baltimore Ravens for quarterback and former Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco. Case Keenum is expected to either be traded or cut by the Broncos. Here's something interesting to, to just be aware of. Somebody mentioned on Twitter, and it even posted the numbers. I forgot who it was, but Joe Flacco and Case Keenum have very, very similar numbers the past two years. Not only that, Keenum's numbers are actually a bit higher than Flacco's. So in what world does this make sense for the Broncos? I get it. Joe Flacco has a Super Bowl MVP. That was five years ago. Everybody was calling for Lamar Jackson to be benched for Joe Flacco in that playoff game against the Raven, uh, Chargers. And I said, no, don't do that. Lamar Jackson is the reason why you're 6-1 and one and you're at this point And that one loss was in KC. And look, if that Ravens defense holds in the fourth quarter or, or wins in overtime, man, uh, they're undefeated with Lamar Jackson. So, I, I, I thought it was the smart move to keep Joe Flacco sidelined. And now he's going to be starting for the Broncos. By the way, the Broncos uh, have a, had a lot of starters since Manning retired. Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch. Uh, gosh, I, I, mean, I know there's more on that list. I just can't think of them. They're not really relevant names. Uh, I posted this on the Facebook page. Uh, but there aren't a lot of great players on this list. Lots of Broncos fans are calling for John Elway's job. Some people are saying, hey, look, John Elway's a legend. Do not touch him. The Broncos are not in good position position right now. That's the... This is, this is what you carry with you when you hire a former player like John Elway. He brings a lot of weight with him. So if you fire him, you're going to face a lot of backlash. Not the greatest position to be in, and John Elway has honestly not done a good job at his job. The only thing he's been able to do, get Peyton Manning. And that almost didn't even go his way. Since then, the great evaluator of talent, the former legendary quarterback himself, has been an utter failure at recruiting quarterbacks. Speaking of the Broncos, one former Bronco... Demarius Thomas, he was traded away from Denver and was traded to Houston. The Texans are cutting Thomas after seven games. Houston sent a fourth-round pick to Denver for Thomas in addition for sw- uh, to, to swapping seventh-round picks. But, man, an Achilles tendon injury in Week 17 caused him to miss the rest of the year, perhaps hurt Houston's offense in that Colts playoff game. Texans are now cutting him. Is this a wise move? Look, Thomas has been with a lot of different quarterbacks lately. 
uh, in Denver, but Deshaun Watson would be a great QB to end your career with, or at least play with for the time being. Unfortunately, the Texans feel like he's not worthy of keeping around coming off that injury. Hey, look, you don't lose much in that trade, I guess. Uh, what did you what did you give up? A uh, second day draft pick? They're willing to take the loss because of the injury he's dealing with. They don't think he is worth keeping around. So there's that. Last topic here. This is a big one. Where will Antonio Brown be traded to? A lot of a lot of drama here, of course. The fact that he got a paycheck despite not showing up to practice in a game. Uh, I guess something that the Steelers are figuring out. But I've got a location for you. How about the Green Bay Packers, a team that needs a much better start in 2019? Yes, Devontae Adams, great season for him. 111 catches, 1,386 yards and 13 touchdowns. Second best in all three categories was Jimmy Graham, the tight end whose career has declined drastically. Several other Packers are tied for second uh, for most touchdown catches. Adams did a good job filling in for Jordy Nelson, who was traded to Oakland. But the Packers need more. They do. They need a spark under Matt LaFleur's offense. Rookie head coach, back-to-back season below 500 for the first time since 1990 and 1991. Man, if you have Aaron Rodgers throwing to Antonio Brown and Devontae Adams, that alone will jumpstart the Packers, and they'll, at the very least, finish above 500 and certainly make a run for the playoffs. Let's go out of bounds. I've got a lot I really want to get into, so... Little time to waste. Kyler Murray picked the NFL over baseball, drafted ninth overall by the Oakland Athletics last year, who were cautiously optimistic that Murray would choose baseball over football. Not the case, though. And listen, multi-sport athletes, they're great, and sometimes better overall athletes. Look at Mahomes. One great example. Uh, their, Their skills can really bode well in another sport, just like Patrick Mahomes. We talked about this before with Murray. We didn't talk so much about the baseball side of it and really that the risk that baseball teams run when they draft a multi-sport athlete. Listen, the Kansas City Royals drafted Bishop Miege grad Bubba Starling in hopes that he would pick baseball over playing quarterback at Nebraska in college. You run a big risk in baseball. I don't know the solution, nor do I have an answer. I'd like to think there would be a better way for baseball players to approach these kinds of risky moves, but I don't know if there really is anything. The truth is, these athletes want to keep their options open for as long as possible so they can keep hearing from scouts and maybe even from the media as well, see where they fall in mock drafts, see what they think of them uh, from, from both sports, not just one of them, but from both sports and get advice that they need from as many people possible, whether it's media, analysts, scouts, former players, uh, teammates from college who are currently playing in the pros, or maybe somebody uh, who also went to your college who is willing to give you advice. Uh, You just never know sometimes with that kind of thing. Uh, This is really funny. A 27-year-old man named uh, Rafael Samuel is suing his parents because of his birth. Doing so, quote, without his consent and wants to be paid for his life. His mother, uh, by the way, both parents are lawyers. She spoke out and said she loves her son and admires that he wants to sue because they're both lawyers, which is a bold move. 
Okay, that's an interesting thing to say. She also said if he comes up with a rational explanation as to how she and her husband could have sought for his consent to be born, she will accept all faults. Uh, is this a publicity stunt? It just feels like it right now. It really feels like a publicity stunt. What person does this? Sues for being born. Now, he doesn't hate his life, but he just wishes he was never born. Uh, this kid's interesting. This kid's very interesting. Raphael Samuel. Very interesting kid. Hey, last topic I want to touch on here, and this one we're going to go a little long with, but it'll be worth it. AAF Ratings, the uh, Alliance of American Football... Their ratings came out recently, and it's very good. Debuted on CBS, it drew 2.9 million viewers, beating ABC, which had 2.5 million viewers for the Houston Rockets versus Oklahoma City Thunder game. More people watched the San Antonio Commanders versus the San Diego Fleet than they watched the Houston Rockets versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. That was Saturday night, folks. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say the AAF is taking over the NBA. No, not at all. But still, for a debut and for a league that had very, very little promotion, that is a pretty damn good rating to have, to beat out ABC and NBC. Now, on Sunday, Arizona and Salt Lake played on NFL Network. That had 408,000 viewers, a .4 rating. In comparison to Johnny Manziel's CFL debut on ESPN2, ESPN2 drew a rating of of 0.3. Now, you might be wondering, what about XFL ratings? What were those like? Great question. XFL in week one. By the way, these are NBC ratings. TNN and UPN, which are the same networks where you could watch WWE programs, uh... These were not mentioned, but I will mention some of the TNN and UPN ratings. But for right now, week one, XFL drew a 9.5 rating. Week two, 4.6. Week three, 3.1. You see the big uh, the big decline there. Weeks four through six in the twos. Week seven through 11 in the ones. Week 12 jumped back up to a 2.1. TNN's highest rating was a 2.4 in week 2. No game in week 1 for TNN. UPN had a 3.0 in week 1. Then a 2.1 in week 2. TNN and UPN after that had bad ratings. And they were in the 1s or below. Okay, look. In the long run, what does this all mean for the AAF? For the second XFL? For the Canadian Football League for the Arena Football League, the Indoor Football League, the six other leagues outside of the NFL. What does this mean for them? And what's going to happen moving forward with the AAF? Is it going to be a one-run wonder like the XFL, or can it continue on a consistent basis? Why will it be different than the first XFL run or or the USFL or the 16-year run that NFL Europe had? And let's not forget about AF2 or Arena Football 2, which a lot of players had that as an alternative if they could not play football professionally in the NFL or even in, in the CFL. And let me Speaking of the CFL, let me say this. They have always, always been the more prominent alternate, alternative excuse me, to the NFL with the Arena League football behind the CFL. The CFL has produced more NFL prospects 
than the Arena Football League has. So look, I don't know what's going to happen five years from now. Are we still going to have AAF, XFL, CFL, Arena Football, and Indoor Football? I don't know. That is a very difficult thing to predict. By the way, I did say six leagues. I meant five. So I apologize for that. Uh, It is very difficult to have these kinds of leagues running. You're not getting the greatest ratings. Uh, Advertisers are there, but you got to really sell, have a good advertising crew to make sure you're making a lot of money and you can pay your front office, your coaches, and your players. So we'll see what happens. Look, I think it's a nice start for the AAF, a 2.9 rating. I will say this, could the social media era have done more for the XFL? Could the XFL have benefited from social media in 2000 or 2001, whenever this came out? I don't know. That'll be interesting to see. By the way, Colin Kaepernick reportedly, uh, the AAF tried to recruit him. He reportedly demanded $20 million from the AAF. Players in the AAF receive a three-year $250,000 non-guaranteed contract, uh, which could include bonuses. Let me say this. That is an outrageous request. However, if Colin Kaepernick joined the AAF or joined the XFL today, assuming they had a game today, they would bring in a he would bring in a lot of ratings for those uh, leagues. Listen, I don't care what your stance is on Kaepernick. If I've said this before uh, for more than a year now, Kaepernick is the kind of guy at this point. If you uh, let, let's say Kaepernick plays a game today, if you disagreed with Kaepernick's stance for the anthem protesting. You are going to watch. Why? Because you want to see him get sacked. You want to see him throw picks. You want to see him get hurt. Now, if you are in favor of Kaepernick and you're supportive of him, you're going to watch because you want to see him succeed and prove everyone wrong. Prove that he can have a voice while still being good at football. Prove that you can protest and still be good at football. And that this wasn't for attention. Because that's what some people are accusing him of. Jason Willock, one of them. So look, uh, $20 million, outrageous. But Kaepernick, if he played for the AAF today, their ratings are going... It's going to be higher than that 9.5 for the XFL. I know that's a bold statement to make, but everybody would watch Colin Kaepernick just to see how he does in his return to football. Whenever that happens, if it happens for Kaepernick, whether it's in the NFL or one of these minor uh, minor leagues... Everyone's going to tune in. They just want to know, can Kaepernick prove that he should have been signed sooner? Or is he going to prove teams right? That'll be interesting to uh, to find out when and if it happens. Final segment of the show. Let's throw some penalty flags. So a sports store owner in Colorado, uh, his store has now closed after he pulled all the Nike gear from its shelves when Colin Kaepernick appeared in an ad. Now, we just mentioned Kaepernick. He obviously disagrees with Kaepernick and uh, his stance and the fact that Nike promoted him. And what happened when he pulled off all the Nike gear? 
his business went, his business shut down. Now look, I, as someone who runs a business myself, I hate to hear that kind of thing. It's it's a horrible thing to hear. It really is. But I don't know if this guy really understood the impact that he really had. Pulling off Nike gear just because of a political opinion. Which, I, by the way, I hate that people are doing that, you know, they unsubscribe from Netflix because the Obamas produce something that's on Netflix. Really? You're, you're going to let your life be deetered by things like that? Are we 12? What's wrong with us? Um, anyway, the store owner was quoted... Being a sports store without Nike is like being a milk store without milk. This is where I'm throwing the flag. What the hell is a milk store? Uh, we, we've got a we've got a snowstorm coming in Kansas City this week. Do people go to a quote unquote milk store to get all the milk? If your local grocery store doesn't have it, what, what is a milk store? Never heard of a milk store before. Maybe it's like the liquor store, but milk. Only milk. That's the only kind of uh, drinks you'll find there. Just milk. Uh, according to police, two brothers and their 61-year-old mother argued over a box of Cheez-It crackers. This is already off to a great start. Cheez-It crackers. That's what they're fighting over. One brother was intoxicated, locked his brother and mother inside the home, began pouring gasoline on the front steps... The brother was able to lift his mother down from the second story and then get himself out safely, according to CBS 46 in Atlanta. The last paragraph of the story, quote, The man who started the fire, only described as a 32-year-old man, was taken into custody. It's unclear what charges he is facing. Folks, I'm pretty sure he's going to, one of the charges he'll face is attempted murder. I I just, that's going to be one of multiple charges he will face. Uh, Cheez-It crackers, man. I have not had a Cheez-It cracker in a very long time. They're pretty damn delicious. I will say, are they worth fighting over? I don't know. I mean, what do they have? Did they have the the small bag size that they give out in schools for kids if they want to buy them? Or did they at least have the family size? I mean, if you got the family size... Surely there's enough to go around. I mean, how far is the nearest grocery store? Uh, maybe it's the middle of the night, but hey, there are some stores out there that are open 24-7. Uh, a couple of those near me, in fact. So, man, cheese and crackers. Uh, that is what uh, divides us. I mean, we're divided politically. We're divided as sports fans. And now we're divided because of cheese and crackers. This happened in Wichita, Kansas. A guy ran into a bathroom at a Home Depot in Wichita and told the men inside, quote, you all need to get out of here because I'm fixing to blow it up. Some people thought he was talking about a bomb. He was talking about a different kind of bomb. Now look, I'm all for funny jokes, but... There are certain things you just do not joke about. There is a reason for that, okay? There's a reason for that. Uh, He was not even talking about anything explosive, nothing dangerous, folks. Uh, Talking about something completely different. And if you're a smart person, you don't make stupid jokes like that. Why? Because that's what people with a brain do. They think twice before they make a joke. Last one for me, Steelers fans are burning their Antonio Brown jerseys. Okay, 
Stop it. Stop burning your clothes. I hate this. I really, really hate this. This is starting to really piss me off. It's actually one of the things that I'm really starting to dislike about our society. Are you are you that desperate for Instagram likes or Instagram follow? Let me just say something about viral videos. Because I've had a couple of videos go viral. A couple of photos go viral. You'll get a couple of people who will follow you. But it's, it's, a, it's a very small percentage of people who will do it. You know, if you really want followers, do some work on a consistent basis and produce it. Share it. Don't post a video and hope you're going to get a million followers. That's, you're not even come remotely close to that. You're just going to have people who will retweet or share your video. And that's all the fame you get for a whole week. I was angry about the Kareem Hunt situation. I, was, I really was. So was my brother. But we didn't burn our jerseys. We didn't burn our Kareem Hunt jerseys. We donated them right before Christmas. That's what we did. Look, there are people out there who cannot afford clothes. And they don't give a damn whose jersey it is or what this person did. If it's a shirt, if it's pants, if it's socks, underwear, a, a hat, a coat, whatever it is. If someone's willing to donate it. That they those people will be grateful. They don't care whose jersey it is. Even if it's a guy who's no longer on the team, there are people who would still love to have that jersey. Why are why are we so proud of burning clothes? I mean, look, if you have I don't know, if you have a, a, let, let's say Antonio Brown, let's say he was on the uh, he was on the front cover of this year's Madden, in fact, wasn't he? I believe he was. Let's say you have a signed copy of Madden from Antonio Brown. Burn that instead. Don't burn clothes. Don't burn necessity items that people need in life. There are people out there who can't afford it. And you're burning clothes. And I'm really withholding my my real opinion on this. It really pisses me off. Listen, maybe, I mean, I'm a fortunate guy, and when I can, uh, I, I try to donate as much as I can. I, I, I've i always tried to give back, and I hope people do it as well. Maybe some people aren't in that position to donate much. Even if it's just five bucks a year that you can maybe give out, it's still better than nothing. You're still doing what you can to help out. And, hey, look, even if more people did that, it, it, look, the United States, I mean, lots of money is, is being donated to charities, lots of clothes. Uh, for homeless shelters, so look, I mean, there are good things happening, but think if we didn't do stupid things like like trying to gain attention on Instagram for burning a jersey. We would be helping out even more. There's a reason why the Chiefs AFC Championship t-shirts, they don't burn them. They send them to third world countries. That way there are people out there who can still wear those clothes. People who can still put those clothes to good use. There's a reason for that. I just hate it. I, I hate when people want that attention. I mean, first of all, it's not even original anymore. People have done this way too many times. At, at some point, be creative. If you really want to gain all some notoriety on the interwebs, show me something that I've never seen before at least. Don't do something stupid that millions of people have done already. Uh, it's asinine to me. Complete innocuous activity. Uh, it's erroneous to, to do that kind of thing for clothes. I hate it. Not something I support one bit. 
That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. A lot of great topics we covered on this episode. As always, I encourage you guys to talk about it with me on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook.com slash Farzim Vesugian. Give it a like. And one last reminder. Very easy way to invite your friends. Go to my page. Go to the community section. Click on invite your friends. Click select all. And then click send invites. Couple of clicks and you can invite all your friends. And if everyone does it. We'll easily reach the goal. The goal is either 5,000 for one Mahomes autograph, 7,500 for two Mahomes signed items, or three for the same things, Mahomes signed items. Three of them. If we get to 10,000 likes on the Facebook page. Very simple. You guys have a very simple job. If everybody on the Facebook page does it, boy, I I don't see why we won't get to 10,000. We could maybe even do the giveaway before the deadline. The deadline, by the way, is... By the time the Chiefs play their first game of the regular season. That is the deadline. So if you guys want to make it happen, it's up to you guys. You guys are going to make that happen. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And hit the share button as well for those podcasts. Uh, Sharing those links greatly helps out the podcast. And I appreciate those who have been doing so. Once again, my name is Farzi Vesugian. Stay warm, stay safe, stay in if you don't have to go outside. Uh, It's going to be pretty crazy in Kansas City. I'm sure other places, there are winter storms taking place, so please stay safe if you're dealing with any winter storms. Enjoy your weekend. I will talk to you guys next Friday. It'll be our last podcast for the month we will preview the NFL draft and any other Chiefs and NFL news that comes about. Once again, I'm Farzi Vasugian. Appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Invite your friends to the Facebook page. Let's make it happen. Talk to you next Friday.